Today is Wednesday, the 16th of August, and I am going to do a relatively short monocast today. And the title of that monocast, Don, if you can just bring it up, we'll bring up the title slide. How to be 100% prepared against the cabal until you know the why you know nothing and other critical thinking tools. So we're being bombarded all the time, you know, with uh, controlled opposition, um, all kinds of things that are evil. And so how do we even discern this stuff? How do we make sure that we're not duped again? And so I put together a few slides just to talk through some very simple things for us to start using to pay attention to when these things start flooding our email, our texts, et cetera. So we'll start with the first one. Go ahead with the next slide, Don. And so this one is courtesy of my buddy, Grace. So, and you see the title says we're programmed to focus on what versus why. So what Grace Grace would do is she had such a gift of seeing things for what they are. So Don, can you play the clip for Piggly Wiggly, please? Okay, so Grace and I are driving in the truck. She hears this jingle. She said, Dad, that doesn't make any sense. You can't shop a pig. First you shoot the pig, then you eat the pig, but you don't shop a pig. So, I mean, pretty obvious, right? Okay, so that that's harmless. Let's go to the next one, Don. So, you know, we all know that there has been a concerted effort for gun control. You know, we're the only nation yet that has a Second Amendment right to own guns, and there's a reason for that. But there is always this effort, and it's a narrative that they want to take away our guns. So this is an interview where a general really nailed the interviewer, and I just I just love it. So I'm going to read this. Marine Corp General Reinhold was interviewed on the radio the other day, and you have to read his reply to the lady who interviewed him concerning guns and children, which is right at the end. So the interviewer says, so General Reinhold, what things are you going to teach these young boys when they visit your base? He responds, we're going to teach them climbing, canoeing, archery, and shooting. She responds, shooting? That's a bit irresponsible, isn't it? And the general says, I don't see why. They'll be properly supervised on the rifle range. And the interviewer says, don't you admit that this is a terribly dangerous activity to be teaching children? And the general says, I don't see how. We'll be teaching them proper rifle discipline and even before they even touch a firearm. And the interviewer says, but you'll be equipping them to become violent killers. And here's the punchline. The general says to her, well, you're equipped to be a prostitute, but you're not one, are you? And of course, the radio goes silent and the interview ends. <laughs> so I love that creativity because these dialectics that um, people like this try to get us into is debating something that should never even be debated. There's never been a gun that ever killed a person. So having gun control, of course, makes no sense. All right, we'll go to the next one, Don. All right, so all of us are familiar when we want to convince somebody of our own belief. Uh, it's, <laughs> we come up with all kinds of crazy things. So I happen to be a hunter. If you're not a hunter, that's fine. I'm not trying to convince somebody to hunt, but Jeff Foxworthy really did a fantastic job with this clip. This clip is, is terrible from the video quality of it, but listen to the words. This was done, uh, well over a decade ago, but it still rings true today. So go ahead, Don. You think I'm having fun deer hunting? You think I'm having fun? 
You think I'm having fun driving two hours each way to the hunting camp after working all week long? You think I'm having fun sitting in a tree in freezing temperatures all weekend long? I'm not having fun. I'm trying to provide for you and the family. You know, I'm not content with you to just have hot dogs and hamburgers. No, I want you to have the best. Here, let me show you what I'm talking about. My average hunting lease is about $500. Last year, I got the new rifle with a scope. That was about $800. I got the full set of camo, around $150. Hunting magazines every year cost me at least $50. Bucks. Bullets, $200. Bucks. And yeah, I could work on being a better shot, but I haven't had time to do it, okay? New four-wheeler I got last year cost about $6,000 during the course of an average deer season. The Little Debbies, the Vienna Sausage, and the Saltines run me almost $500. You add that up, it comes to $8,200. $8,200 every deer season. And that's not including my personal time or poker money. It's not even mentioning that. Now, the average deer I get, by the time... I get it processed, I get about 50 pounds of meat out of it. 50 pounds of meat divided into $8,200, that comes to $162 per pound. Honey lobster doesn't cost but $20 a pound. $162 a pound. The most expensive meat on the planet Earth for you and the kids. And you know, instead of griping at me, a little thank you once in a while might be nice. <laughs> so I just, my, you know, I'm sure uh, most wives don't appreciate that video. My wife didn't appreciate it e either. But you know, when when us guys are trying to convince somebody of something, we can come up with all kinds of shenanigans. All right, so now we're going to move on to a, something a little bit more serious. So Don, can you go to the next slide, please? All right, so many of you who have heard me talk before know I zero in on these numbers and they're really important that when you look at numbers you start framing them so in the United States we are number one on the planet with COVID hospital deaths how is that possible we have 1.2 million deaths in the 39 month COVID era that's what I call it now and number two is India and they only have just over half a million deaths, less than 50% of the United States, yet their population is four times that of the United States. It absolutely makes no sense that we would be number one on the planet. So what's the why? Well, there's a number of reasons why. The main reason why is that we promoted protocols and incentivized those protocols. Our government incentivized hospitals to follow protocols that were known to kill people. All right, so when you dig into that, you start wondering, okay, what's really going on? So why would a government ever do that? And you know, I've gone down that rabbit hole and have become an expert in the hospital murder lane because of going down that rabbit hole. And But it's important when you start looking at statistics, that's the purpose of this slide, that you compare them with other statistics so you see what is going on here and this one is is so obvious it should alarm you that okay we've got a problem the next slide shows one of the tentacles of why so don you can bring that up so you think about why would fema be training pastors so what i found out when i started digging into the the why behind all of these deaths is that you know we would rely those of you who are relying on leadership and the, the church, 
which included me, which of course I still rely on the church, but we ended up leaving our church over this because the pastor didn't want me to speak out, which is very strange. I can hardly believe that. But the fact is uh, there's up to 100,000 pastors in the United States that have been trained by FEMA to round up, they call it a roundup, round up their congregation in the event of an emergency. Well, if you process this from um, a level that you're not used to thinking about, pastors really should be calling out Romans 13 violations. So they, they uh, unfortunately say with Romans 13 um, that we should just obey the government. Well, that's not true. Romans 13 doesn't say to obey the government. That's taken out of context. We're supposed to obey God and the government if it does not disagree with what God says. So when the government uses fear and mandates to force us to do something, that's our time to disobey. So that was a shock. And you know, the right attitude to me is Diedrich Bonhoeffer's attitude during World War II. And when he said, not to speak is to speak, not to act is to act. So when pastors are being silent from the pulpit as to what's going on, they are parties to the crime and they're part of the reason those numbers are so high. They could have sounded an, a warning to all of us with what's happening, but they chose to not do it. All right, we'll go to the next slide, Don. All right, so this is the uh, a brief introduction to the Hegelian dialectic, which a simple way to look at the Hegelian dialectic is problem, reaction, solution. And there are both esoteric dialectics and exoteric. Esoteric means they're behind the scene. These are big things that nobody really sees going on. And what I'm going to walk through here is just a, a couple of simple exoteric ones so you can see what they do. And the consistent theme here is fear. But as part of a warm up to this, I just want to share um, a couple of things to, to show how Satan uses dialectics. So for example, we know that there's liberal and conservatives. So what's the dialectic? The government saves us. All right, well, that's not true. God saves us. And we have in the news, we have CNN and Newsmax. So that's another dialectic. So these dialectics are always evil versus less evil. So of course we know CNN is evil, but then we look to Newsmax. Well, Newsmax is just less evil. So when you see that, you say, okay, what's the dialectic? Well, we get the truth from TV. Well, that's of course not true. And then the last one before we go to the ones on the screen are is, is uh, the abortion dialectic. And so we have on the evil side, a woman's right to choose. And on the less evil side, no abortion except for. So then both sides really say that murder is okay. It's just a matter of degree. So these are dialectics that Satan uses to get us off track. Well, Satan employs the government to implement these dialectics. So with COVID, for example, now we're on the screen, you know, COVID obviously was something introduced to our society. It was not a virus. It was a bioweapon. It's been a bioweapon since day one. They did this on purpose. So what was the reason? To create a fear. And then what's the solution? A, a jab and a jab to kill us. And I'm going to go through the jab math in detail. So we're not going to go through that here. The second one, 
uh, we have nuclear threats by Putin. What's the reaction? Of course, fear. All right, so if you process, if we are attacked nuclear by a nuclear explosion, do you think, so, you know, the United States then to show that, hey, we're going to help our people, we're going to purchase a drug that's going to protect us from a nuclear attack. I mean, it's so laughable, you can't make it up. But it looks then like our government is trying to help us versus our government's in on it. All right, the last one, the financial system collapse. I really like this one because they've been promoting this. And of course, that causes a panic. And what's the solution? We already see there's some bills um, that are being introduced in various states for a gold-backed financial system. Well, I promise you, if there's going to be a gold-backed financial system, it will have a hook. And there is no financial system collapsed. It's already collapsed a long time ago. We have a fiat currency. Why do you think they can keep printing money? How can a country survive with a $35 trillion national debt? That's impossible. We are completely bankrupt, but they keep printing money. So the financial system collapse happened a long time ago, folks. All right. So I just wanted to share these things so that you can see how the model of fear is used to control us so that you're not duped again. Of course, they use that with COVID and COVID is the thing that woke me up. All right, we'll go to the next one, Don. So this is the, the prelude to, I'm going to go through the uh, how they use statistics to fool us with COVID. And of course, Mark Twain said there are lies, damn lies and statistics. And his, um, our, our buddy, Bill Gates, of course, he promotes the book how to lie with statistics. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. All right, let's go to the, the slide. This one will take me, this is two slides in a, in a row. It's going to take me a little bit to walk through these. All right, so I titled this, Would You Take This Bet? This is the literal um, statistics that they used to convince us that the jab was safe and effective. So the original um, group was that they used for this test, you can see it was 20, 21,830 in the placebo group, 21,830 in the vaccine group. In the placebo group, 162 people ended up being infected by COVID. So first of all, we don't even know that that's true, but I'm assuming for purposes of this only, I don't want you to take that I'm in agreement with any of this, but I'm taking their numbers. All right, I'll have some commentary and all these numbers that you see on the screen are from September 30th of 2022. So I don't want to get emails saying, well, are you agreeing with this? No, I'm not. But I'm taking their statistics and I want to show you just with their own statistics, how they use statistics to lie to us. So 162 infected. We don't know if that's real or not, because if they're using a PCR test, that's already been debunked. But regardless, that would end up being a 0.74 uh, risk of infection. Then they vaccinated 21,830 people and only eight of them were infected. Of course, one of the fundamental problems right here you see is that what was the timing? You know, so we learned, of course, through watching this play out in real time, that the vaccinated group had a higher likelihood of getting COVID. So, you know, we don't even know the time frame. So was this, you know, one week afterward, two weeks afterward, regardless, it was not enough time because you need time to see what the reality is. So they use this, it's called the propaganda formula. And the reason I say it's the propaganda formula is because this is illegal to use formulas like this to prove 
if drugs work or not. But the Smith-Munt Act, which prevented government propaganda, was repealed in 2013. So they are allowed to do this in the guise of national defense. So they claim that this is something that we needed for a national defense against the pandemic. So they're allowed to lie with this relative risk reduction formula. So you can see what they did is they took the 0.74%, subtract 0.04%, divided by 0.74%, and then you get it's 95% effective. And this is what was sold to us, safe and effective, the 95% number early on. And it is a complete lie. So let's go through how the formula is supposed to be done. So this presumes that we have time where we've actually measured it over the appropriate time period. So this is called the absolute risk reduction formula. At the time that I did this slide, there were 98 million COVID cases. There were um, almost 1.1 million COVID deaths. So the percent chance of dying from COVID was 1.1%. All right, so now if we take these numbers and take the what they told us was the case. Your chance of getting COVID if you don't take the jab is 0.74%. So take that by the US population of 335 million and the chance of being infected by COVID was uh, two and a half million people would be infected if nothing happened. Okay, so then out of those people infected, we'd have 1.1% dying, which is 27,479 deaths. So the people, if we would have done nothing, 1.1% of the people would have died based on their numbers, not, oh, not my numbers, but their numbers. So then that would have translated to 27,479 deaths in the entire population. All right, so we'll go to the next slide, Don. So now we got to compare that to what about the number of people who would have died if they got the jab. So now we take the same formula, but now we use 0.04% instead of 0.74%. And we see that using their numbers again, 122,000 people would have been infected. So 1.1%, 1,357 deaths. So now we have to compare how many lives would have been saved by the jab. So we had you know, 27,000 lives saved or uh, 27 deaths from those not taking the jab versus a thousand deaths by those taking the jab. So then we have, if we jab the entire population, the jab would have saved 26,000 lives across the entire United States if they convinced 100% of people to take the jab. So these are the numbers that they know and they sold us 95% safe and effective based on saving 26,000 lives. All right, so then through September 30th of 22, of course, this number is now skyrocketed. The jabs just reported on the VAERS system were 31,000. You know, now we see died suddenly happening, you know, multiple times a day. So the estimate is well over 300,000 now. So given that we have already had more deaths from the jab than the lives saved theoretically from getting the jab, you'd see as of September 30th, just with the VAERS data, which you know most people realize that the VAERS data is unreported by somewhere between uh, 10 and 100 fold. So we had a net loss of lives of 5,200. If the entire population would have been jabbed, we would have lost more lives than what would have saved by 50, than what would have been saved by 5,200. And on top of that, we have 
over 70 million adverse effects reported from the jab. So you can see this was sick, evil beyond anything, and it's still going on today. The jab is still being promoted. The FDA is still <clears throat> recommending remdesivir and ventilators as of May 9th, even though COVID was officially over as of April 10th by Congress, the FDA is still incentivized and incentivizing and promoting remdesivir and the jab. Um, and the, I should have said not the, the jab is being promoted, of course, but what they're promoting via the FDA incentivized programs is remdesivir and the ventilator. They're also still promoting the jab. We go, we go to a local pharmacy, not a chain, not Walgreens, CVS, a local pharmacy and to get our ivermectin prescription. That local pharmacy, when you call in for your prescription, they play the, the jab narrative. What's the reason? Because they have to do that to get reimbursed by Medicare and Medicaid. They're still playing the narrative that the jab is necessary for us to be protected. It, it, is, it is so evil, a, it's hard for me to grasp. But anyway, statistics, that's the main message here. When you start looking at statistics, you have to look at them in context of what's really happening and use your discernment skills. All right, the next slide, Don. All right, so now we're gonna go back to the a little bit of, of humor just to show you. Uh, what my wife is uh, thinking I should stop drinking beer. And I explained, I thought, I wonder if, if she's right or not. And I, then I started doing the math and realized, oh my gosh, I can't stop drinking beer. If I did, I would be dead. So here's the facts. I'm 60 years old, I weigh 175 pounds. I'm estimating the number of beers drank per week is four. The number of weeks I've drank beer, of course is the estimate because I didn't track it, uh, 2000 weeks. The average calories per beer at 153 and the average calories per pound of body fat, 3,500. So if you do the math here, you take 2,000 weeks times four beers a week times 153 calories. That means I've had 1.2 million total calories lifetime from beer. All right, so now I take 1.2 million divided by 3,500 means 350 pounds of my body weight is from beer. So then I told her if I I wouldn't even be here if I stopped drinking beer. And obviously the math proves it. All right, we'll go to uh, now back to the serious, follow the money. This is a slide that I just came about um, the other day and I put it together for this presentation because I wanted people to see when you incentivize something, it can't be good. So incentivized healthcare would mean the providers are doing something because of the incentive. So if something is right, do you need an incentive to be uh, paid to you in order to do it? It doesn't make sense. If this jab was so good, why did they need to? Why did they need to be incentivized? So this is from Anthem Health, and so they're an insurance company. And what they did is they put together this vaccination bonus schedule for the doctors in their network. So the average number of patients that a doctor has is 2,500. You can see the reference that I have below. And if they hit the 30% vaccination rate by September 1st of 2021 and the 75% rate by December 1st of 2021, the individual doctor bonus from the insurance company 
would have been $296,000 to vaccinate their patients. So that's in one quarter. Okay, so that's a bonus that they would have received care of not their employer, but care of the insurance company. So, you know, connect the dots here, folks. The insurance company isn't going to take this out of their profit. Our government incentivized the insurance company, and then the insurance company took their cut, and then the insurance companies incentivized the doctors in order to implement this jab that is clearly meant to kill us. All right, then we're going to go to our final exam. So we'll see if you learned anything. All right, so this is the question. It's time to elect the next leader of the world. Here are the facts about the three leading candidates. So I'm going to ask you to pick the candidate. All right, so candidate A, he associates with crooked politicians and consults with astrologists. Astrologists, he's had two mistresses. He also chain smokes and drinks eight to 10 martinis a day. All right, sounds like a pretty good guy. All right, candidate B, he was kicked out of office twice and sleeps until noon. He used opium in college and drinks a quart of whiskey every evening. Another, another good candidate. All right, candidate C, he's a decorated war hero. He's a vegetarian and doesn't smoke. He drinks an occasional beer and hasn't had any extramarital affairs. Oh boy, sounds like a winner. So which of these candidates would be your choice? So I want you to think about this, decide before we go to the answer on the next page. All right, so you got it? All right, Don, let's go to the, the answers. All right, so candidate A, Franklin Roosevelt. Candidate B, Winston Churchill. Candidate C, which you probably were duped to pick, was Adolf Hitler. So here's the challenge. Were you fooled? You should have thought these facts don't matter because I don't know the why. Remember the title slide? If you don't know the why, you know nothing. The next level of deception that we are going to experience involves the false light appearing as good. God promises that. Satan reinvents himself as the angel of light. And that's what's coming next. All right, so let's go to the slide before the final because I want, now that I introduced that angel of light, I want to do that in a much bigger perspective and say, we've been programmed. Those of you who've been following me know I call this program Deprogramming with Grace's Dad because I was not awake to any of this until I realized Grace was murdered and I started to go down the rabbit hole of why was she murdered? And then all of this stuff has been exposed in my life since then and i see it as a responsibility now that i am awake to share this with you so what's the biggest thing that i've become awake to and it was in the garden so in the garden satan in genesis three fifteen said for god knows when you eat from it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil so I put good in quotes. Of course, it's not in quotes in the Bible, but we know Satan is a liar. He's the father of lies. So he used the word good on purpose. And that was a lie. Only God is good. But what he did is he got us into the idea that we should be chasing knowledge. And what God always offered was the tree of life. And Jesus said in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the tree of life is rely on God, don't rely on our knowledge. And so Satan spun these evil versus less evil dialectics, which we've been going through. And he 
wants us to focus on knowledge and education. We're going to talk about that in a little bit in, in the last slide, because there's nothing wrong with being knowledgeable or educated. But if you think it through, can we get educated enough to know everything? It, that would be impossible. Where God wants us to rely on him, and he provides us wisdom and revelation. So in this world that Satan has created, in the tree of knowledge, which is the ultimate duping that we follow Satan in this tree of knowledge, cleverness is the key. And then by being clever, we become su successful in this world. What does that look, look like? Well, we can, you know, we get two new cars, you know, 2.1 kids, 1.7 dogs. We can retire when we're 50 and drink beer on the front porch. You know, that's success in this world. Humbleness is the key to success in the kingdom, and that's God's kingdom. So what does that look like? Everything in this world is God's. Everything that you think you personally own is God's, and it's at his disposal for his use to have men reconcile with him. And that is what the tree of life is about. So what I have seen in my own life, I mean, I, even though I've been a Christian for about 30 years, the reality was I was chasing, still chasing the world. And now that I'm awake to this, I can't shout it from the rooftops enough, especially as I see how evil things are. So I can spend my life figuring out all these evil schemes and protecting myself, but realize I don't have enough time for that. It's impossible. And when I see all the evil that I've been presented with in the last 22 months since Grace died, I see that this is this is foolish to chase any of it. Uh, what we should do is get roots as to what God expects, and that's where our time should be invested. All right, we'll go to the last slide, Don. So I want to make a couple comments uh, because I think people would have these as a question. They come up regularly. So Matthew 7, 1 is the don't judge scripture. So is that applicable here? So you can see a lot of these things I'm really teaching you to judge. But so what is the context? Of course, we're supposed to judge. But, you know, if we weren't supposed to judge, God wouldn't say don't cast your pearls before swine. So we're supposed to judge. So the context of not judging is judge yourself first. Make sure that you approach with the spirit of humbleness as you're discerning, as you're looking at what other people are doing. Don't instantly judge because if you do that, you're going to be the first one to be judged. Then Hosea 4, 6 says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And I'm telling you, you know, Satan sold us the tree of knowledge. So does, is God against knowledge? Well, of course not. He's not against knowledge at all. But when knowledge becomes our idol, that's what he's against. God is always a God of the heart. He cares about the why, not the what. So when we're chasing knowledge, that would be sinful versus if we're obtaining knowledge because we have a responsibility to discern that's the type of knowledge that God expects. He gave us a brain for a reason, but we can't make knowledge the, the idol. So you see, I have a statement here. The desire for knowledge started in the garden and is part of our sinful nature ever since. Satan has been tempting us to focus on knowledge ever since the beginning. And to the and he has us focus on it so much, it's become an idol to 
you know, a lot of people, you know, and I think it, for everybody, we've got to protect ourselves from that. Don and I were talking about that right before we got on the, on the program today. All right, Luke 1135, make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. And that would be an overall theme to what this message is about today. And, you know, I've, I've pimped, pimped you with a few different things just to get you into a, a mindset of critical thinking. They're trying to dumb us down. Um, and, you know, you've got to get your critical thinking skills back to protect yourself from the next, um, whatever is coming next, the next pandemic, nuclear threat, alien threat. I have no idea what's coming next, but I know there's a consistent theme and the consistent theme is fear. All right, so then, uh, a mess, a little bit of message of hope to close Psalm 2.2 and 2.4. I love this. The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed and against his anointed. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. So as as Grace would say um, to me many times, Dad, God's got this. So yeah, God does have this. And so the two mistakes that we can make are always the same. Failure to prepare and relying on our preparations. We can't prepare against Satan. That's impossible. He knows the scripture better than any man walking other than Jesus. So we can't prepare for what he has next. So failure to prepare, we should be preparing, but we need to be discerning, not trying to focus on knowledge. We can't outsmart Satan. So what do, so failure to prepare is the first mistake. The second mistake, relying on your preparation. So what do we rely on? We rely on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's why Grace said regularly, dad, God's got this. So thanks for listening today. I hope everyone has a great week.